Good morning, Gateway family. What a joyous time to come together this morning to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. We have a tradition here at Gateway, like other churches, that I want to start out by declaring. And even though you guys are at home and we're here in our sanctuary, our house of worship and praise, as I declare this, I want you to do your response as we do so often each year here. So as you know what's about to come, I want, I'm going to say it and then I'll repeat myself, but I want to start off with the declaration that's so eternal and so important for us that he is risen. He is risen indeed. And so we come this morning to celebrate that resurrection, to celebrate the hope and life we have in a risen Savior, our King. So we're going to start off this morning by declaring the word of God and reading a resurrection account from Luke chapter 24. So wherever you are, if you want to get your Bibles or your iPads or your phones, if you want to follow along with me or just to listen and, and meditate upon and receive this word this morning, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. Luke chapter 24. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood, dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened, bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, for he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of simple men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity this morning to come together unified as the body of Christ, as a gateway family, to celebrate the resurrection, Lord, to celebrate a risen king, a risen savior, that you now have all power and all authority as you are seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning. And God, just as Peter is said here in Luke, marveled at what had happened. God, we too, here 2,000 years later, marvel at the beauty of your resurrection and the power that comes that we get to experience on a daily basis because of your resurrection. So, Lord, we ask you this morning as we worship you, as your word is declared, as we celebrate who you are, God, have your way among us, that we look to you and to worship you and praise you for the risen king that you are. We desire you to have all honor and glory this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Shine, God, in the heart. 
we thank you so much for this time of worship to honor you and praise you and give the glory that you are due God because of your resurrection power and because of those words we just sang about because you live we can face the uncertainty of these days you are our hope and our salvation with all that's going on in the world right now God you are our trust our faithfulness our rock and God that's why we can come up here this morning faithfully to offer these petitions to you, Lord, and know that your God is faithful and good and who will act upon these things. And God, we first just thank you that in this city, for the body of Christ in Montgomery, for the church at large here in Montgomery this morning, as churches all over this city are meeting much like us online and streaming, God, I just pray for an overwhelming sense of your power and your presence to fall this morning across this city. As many people are struggling and maybe even seeking you during this time of 
of difficulty and, and anxiety and worry. And they may not even know who you are, Lord, as God, as Savior, as King. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would move across this city, bringing conviction, drawing people to a place of repentance, that they may know you rightly, see you rightly, that we can experience a revival in this city, God, as your body is meeting this morning in unity, declaring the word of the Lord and celebrating the power of your resurrection. And Lord, we thank you for our own Gateway family right now as we're meeting across this city in the homes that we're in with our families. And God, that you would continue to cultivate intimacy, not just with us as families during this season, but individually. God, that you'd continue to draw us to yourself, make yourself known, make yourself known to us intimately, God, during this season, that we would go deeper into you, maybe a little further into Bible study and getting to know your attributes and your ways. God, continue to reveal yourself to help us through this time. Because as Grady has said over the past few weeks, the, the more we get to know you and see you rightly, we will be able to endure and persevere and trust you in these times. And Lord, we thank you again for the opportunity to pray for our brothers and sisters abroad. And Lord, we lift up again Pastor Mark. Lord, just as I saw yesterday that they cleared out their sanctuary and they were the ladies were coming in to sew 3,000 masks to deliver and to distribute through their community. God, we pray as they're on the front lines down there helping people in need, that you would protect them, that you would give them health, that you would provide resources, that you again, God, put a protective bubble around that country and those families and those that Pastor Mark are ministering to. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that people would come to saving faith in that nation because of the ministry in the heart with Pastor Mark and his church. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity again to pray for an unreached people group. And Lord, this morning we lift up the Namuyi of China, this Tibetan Buddhist community. And Lord, from what I've studied and researched, this little pocket in China has never heard the gospel. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that the underground church there in that region, those Christians, those Chinese Christians, God, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would draw them to this community, that you would speak to them and reveal to them and give them a strategy, God, to reach the Namayuya people, that they would be able to come in and bring hope and life to them. Even during these times with the virus, God, that many are dying in the nation of China and many are experiencing uncertainty in these times that they would experience the life and the hope that is in you. Raise up your church, God, in that area of China to reach these people. And, Lord, we thank you again for the opportunity for our Pastor Grady to bring your word this morning. We thank you, God, for his faithfulness uh, to study and to shepherd us and to guide us, Lord, and to reveal your word to us this morning. Give him strength, wisdom, encouragement, energy, Lord, this morning as he brings your word to us. And, again, as we celebrate our risen Savior. God, we praise you. We love you. We thank you for this time this morning that we can gather together and bring you honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Gateway family. Like CJ said, we are so thankful that we get to gather together this morning and celebrate the fact that Christ is risen. I'm so excited we get to do so from the Gateway campus. It's not the same without you all in the room but I'm thankful that we still get to be here at the Gateway Campus and gathering together as the people of Gateway this morning to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. And I pray this Easter Sunday morning that even as you gather in your homes, that you're experiencing the wonder and the awe of what we get to celebrate today, friends, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. What we're celebrating this morning is something the Scripture says is of first importance. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, listen to how Paul describes it. He says, For I delivered to you... As a first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Today we get to think about what scripture calls a first importance, the resurrection of our Lord. And on this Easter Sunday morning, I want us to particularly think about this morning how the resurrection of Christ gives us confidence and gives us hope. So would you find on your copy of God's Word or on your Bible app, why don't you find this morning 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now while you're finding that text, I want to ask you this morning, friends, what are you confident in today? What are you confident in today? You know, confidence is knowing something is true. It's a certainty about certain things. When you're confident about something, you base your life upon it. You make your decisions in line with that. Friends, what are you confident in today? Are you confident in yourself? 
Are you confident in your circumstances? Are you confident in other people? What is it that you're confident in this morning? But also I want to ask you this Easter morning, what are you hoping in today, friends? If confidence is really an assurance of things, hope is very similar. It's the confidence of what's still to come. The expectation of good things that are still to come to us. And if we're hoping in things and confident in things, we're going to find our thoughts thinking about those things. We're going to find us making decisions to align ourselves towards those things. So friends, what are you hoping in today? Is your hope in change in the circumstances? Is your hope in some type of improved financial situation or job situation? Or is your hope, friends, in something else? The reality is we all need confidence and we all need hope. Yet so often, friends, we're putting our confidence and we're putting our hope in the wrong thing. We're looking for it in the wrong places. We're basing it on the wrong things. Now, I want you to see quite simply this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that the resurrection of Jesus gives us confidence and gives us hope. On this Easter Sunday morning, I want us to see that the resurrection of Jesus gives us confidence and gives us hope. This truth of first importance that Christ rose from the dead gives us the confidence we need. It gives us the assurance that certain things are true. Even today, no matter what's happening in our circumstances around us, there are certain things are true, and these are truths that we need to base our life on. Friends, this truth, this resurrection of Christ, this thing of first importance, also gives us the hope we need, the assurance that good things are still to come, and we can align our life by the grace of God towards the hope of these things. The resurrection of Jesus gives us confidence and gives us hope. As we read our text today, I want you to be looking for what can we be confident in because of the resurrection? What can we hope in because of the resurrection? So we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Today we're going to look at verses 17 to 20. And if you're able where you are at home, could I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God? And I'll be reading out the English Standard Version. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 17 through 20. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so thankful that you've given to us your word. God, that you've not hidden yourself from us, but you've shown yourself to us. God, you've shown us the truth and the reality of the resurrection. You show us here how the resurrection changes us. And I pray this morning, Lord, as we gather from our homes, that your word would come alive to us, that your Holy Spirit would fill us and illumine our eyes to understand the text, would look into our hearts and give us insight and understanding of how our lives are different because of the resurrection. And we ask it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, what's the context of what we're looking at this morning? If you're looking at 1 Corinthians, as Paul's writing this first letter to the people in Corinth, chapter 15, where we find ourselves, is 58 verses long. And it's the major teaching, the last major teaching in this book, where Paul is responding to improper views people had about the resurrection. Now, it appears that in Corinth there was some type of doctrinal problem, that people had wrong thinking or wrong beliefs related to the resurrection. So Paul writes them to correct it. And he gives us here in chapter 15 one of the most in-depth teachings on the resurrection anywhere in Scripture. And I'd encourage you to read the whole thing sometime later today, because verses 17 to 20 is just a small part of it. But to see where we're getting to in our verses this morning, here's what's happened in the verses before verse 17. Paul begins this chapter by telling us that the resurrection is essential to the gospel message. Like I mentioned earlier, he says it's of first importance. He goes on to tell us that many, many, many people witnessed the resurrection. He then shows us that the apostles in the early church all proclaimed the resurrection. And then he turns in this section here to help us see how believing in the resurrection changes us and transforms us, how it impacts our lives. And that's what we're going to focus in on today. Now, to make sure we understand what we're talking about, let's talk about what we mean by the term. When we talk about resurrection in general, we're talking about an act of God, a miracle where a dead person is brought back to life. That is a miracle. That is God's intervention in what normally would not happen. You see this happening in multiple places in Scripture. And particularly, think of when we study the Gospel of John, in John chapter 11, when Jesus goes to Lazarus, who's been dead several days, and he brings him back to life. He resurrects him. And we're talking here in this text about the resurrection of Jesus. It says in our text that Jesus has been raised. We're talking about the physical body of Jesus that was crucified on that cross, that was killed, what we talked about in our Good Friday service on Friday evening. He was put in the tomb. Now on the third day, he has come back to life. He has been raised to life. 
He kind of reminds us, friends, this historically happened. This is not imagery. This is not a metaphor. That Jesus literally, physically rose from the dead. And there's many eyewitnesses who saw Jesus after he rose from the dead. He talked with them. He walked with them. He even ate with them. Look back up in 1 Corinthians 15 and look at verses 3 through 8 just to see how significant the history is that Christ literally rose from the dead. Go back to verse 3. Paul says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Now notice this in verse 5. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, although some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Friends, don't miss the significance of this. That there were eyewitnesses who wrote down about the resurrection in the lifetime of hundreds and thousands of other eyewitnesses. Friends, at the time, Jesus was hated by the multitudes. They had just killed him several days before in the cool Roman cross. There were many people who wanted to disprove who Jesus was. And so it's significant that these eyewitnesses and the lifetime of other eyewitnesses record the historicity of the literal resurrection of Christ. And Paul has no doubt that it happened. Look at his confidence down in verse 20 that we read earlier. This he says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. In fact, this is history. There's no doubt this actually happened. That Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, the second person of the Trinity who had walked on this earth and been teaching them, who had died on the cross, he in fact has risen again. So friends, how does that historical truth change us now? It gives us confidence for facing life today. It gives us hope for what is still to come in the future. Now, there's four ways in which you see in these short verses here how the resurrection gives us confidence and gives us hope. And I want us to look through these four briefly this morning of what we can be confident and find hope in because of the resurrection. Now, the first three that we see, Paul presents in an interesting way. He's building an argument right here. So he's going to tell us if Christ has not been raised, then there's a particular outcome. So we're going to look at that, but then we're going to flip it. But because Christ has been raised, what is the opposite outcome? What is the blessing we get? What is the confidence and the hope we can have because of that? So four things I want you to see in this text this morning. Number one, I want you to see that because of the resurrection, we can have confidence that our faith is real and is changing us. We can have confidence that our faith is real and is changing us. It is transforming us. Look at verse 17 here. Paul says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is... Notice this next word here. It says, Your faith is futile. In Greek, the word futile here means lacking in effect, lacking in results, pointless. He's saying if there is no resurrection of Christ within, your faith is pointless. Your faith is effectless. It has no effect, no change, no results on you. Now, this is not the first time Paul has said something like this. If you go back up just a few verses to verse number 14, he says something similar but changes the word. And notice what he says in verse 14. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. Now, this is a totally different word. When he says vain here, the word of the Greek means lacking in reality. So let's put those two verses together. Paul is saying, if there is no resurrection of Christ from the dead, then your faith, your belief, your trust in God is vain. It's lacking in reality. It's pretend. It's nonsense. It says, furthermore, it's futile. It's not going to have any effect on you. It's going to be pointless. But now let's flip that to what the positive is. Because we know Christ did rise from the dead, our faith is not vain. Our faith instead is real. It's legitimate. It is authentic. It also is not futile. That means it does change us. It is not pointless. It will create effects and transformation in us. And so the resurrection means that we have a real faith in Christ that will transform us and will change us. And if you were with us at Gateway several years ago when we walked through the Gospel of John verse by verse, do you remember over and over when we talked about faith, we defined it this way. We said faith is receiving a radical transformation from above. The faith is receiving from God a radical transformation. That the God who raised Jesus from the dead can take wretched sinners like you and like me and not just save us from the penalty of sin, but he can save us from the power of sin and transform us and make us more and more like Christ as he gives us a new nature. And so friends, first of all, what Paul is showing is that the resurrection of Christ, this historical event of first importance, it assures us, it gives us confidence that what we believe our faith is real and that faith will forever transform and change us. Number two that I want you to see in this text, that because of the resurrection, we can have confidence, friends, that we are forgiven and belong to God. That we are forgiven and we belong to God. Look at verse 17 again. 
And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And notice this next phrase, and you are still in your sins. Friends, if there's no resurrection of Jesus, we have no forgiveness of sins. Now, typically when we think about being forgiven of our sins, our mind goes back to the cross, what we talked about in our service on Good Friday evening, and rightfully it should. But go back one book to the book of Romans that Paul also wrote. In Romans chapter 5, he says this in verses 8 and 9. He says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. And so there very clearly Paul is telling us that the death of Christ is what accomplishes us being able to be forgiven. It's through the shedding of his blood. So why then is the resurrection essential? Why then, if Christ does not rise from the dead, we would not have any forgiveness? Because this is important because the resurrection shows us that God the Father accepted God the Son, Jesus' sacrifice, in our place. The resurrection shows us that the Father accepted Christ dying in our place and taking the penalty that we deserve. That's why just a few verses earlier in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, Paul can say it a different way. In verses 24 and 25 of chapter 4, he can say, It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. Notice this. Who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised or resurrected for our justification. So one place Paul ties our justification, our new standing before God, he ties that to Jesus' death, but here he ties it to his resurrection because the resurrection shows that he accomplished what he set out to do, and that was the forgiveness of our sins. Friends, for those of us who are trusting in Christ, that means we are not still in our sins. It means we are forgiven of those sins, but because we're forgiven, it means we belong to God. We have access to God. We can approach him. We can talk to him. We can experience his blessings. As we sing in the song often around here, that we can be seated at his table now. We belong to God. Friends, the resurrection of Jesus gives us confidence, no matter what's happening around us, that our faith is real and will change us. Number two, that we're forgiven and belong to God. But there's a third thing the resurrection gives us confidence in. And this is huge for us when life is hard and in times of trials like many of us are walking through right now. Number three, the resurrection gives us confidence that our lives have purpose and meaning. The resurrection gives us confidence that our lives have purpose and meaning. Look at verse number 19 here in the text we were just reading back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Again, he's making the negative argument here to build his case here. But he says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, but we're still believing in Jesus, we're to be what? That's that last word. We're to be pitied. Because there's no sense in Scripture of, well, if the resurrection is not true, at least we were good people, at least we made a difference, at least we helped the community. That's nowhere to be found in here. In fact, it's quite the opposite that Paul is showing. If there is no resurrection, we should be pitied by the world because we're living a lie. Because we're putting our hope in a fairy tale. Because we're basing our morality on something not necessary. Because we're willing to face harshness and persecution. And there's going to be no long-term effect coming out of it. And Paul gets that, which later in this chapter, in verse 32, he can say, If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. So friends, the reality is Christ did die, but Christ did rise again. There's no resurrection, we're to be pitied, but because there is a resurrection, that means the opposite is true for us. That means, friends, we are extremely blessed. We are extremely favored by God. We're extremely blessed by Him. Our lives are full of purpose and meaning, not because of us, not because we're great, because we're not, but because of what Christ has done for us. We are people who, in the words of John 1.16, have experienced grace upon grace. We are people now who, in the words of Ephesians 1.3, have received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We're a people who, even in the hardships, know that Romans 8, 28 is true, that God works all things together for good. And that's why when we walk through trials, whether it's the coronavirus now or any other trials and hardships of life, we're not pitiable. Rather, we're seeing the goodness of God working through hardships and not good situations to bring great good. That's why as we began our James study a few months ago, we saw in James chapter 1, 1 and 2 that we're told to consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds because we know that the testing of our faith develops perseverance. He goes on to tell us how that makes us mature and complete, lacking nothing in Christ. Friends, the resurrection assures us, it gives us confidence, that regardless of our circumstances, we have a real faith that changes us. That we stand forgiven and belong to God and know Him. And that our lives and even the trials and the hardships are not pointless. But they're in the hands of a sovereign God who is using them to sanctify us and grow us and for His purposes. But the resurrection also gives us hope 
And one other thing I want you to see today, it gives us hope for the future as well. In particular, it gives us hope that our future with God is sure. Would you see that two times in this text here? Verse 18, Paul is still making this argument, showing us what happens if there is no resurrection. But look at verse 18 here. He says in verse 18, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. So if there is no resurrection, then those who have fallen asleep, this is a metaphor common in Scripture for dying, then those who have died in Christ, who have died believing in Christ, they're going to perish. Now, perish in the Greek here is a really strong word. It means to be under judgment. It means to be under wrath. That means if there's no resurrection, like we saw a few minutes ago, there's no forgiveness of sins. And if there's no forgiveness of sins, then our standing before a holy God is we still stand condemned. But the contrast with what Paul is trying to show us here, the contrast is true. Since Christ rose from the dead, those in him, those who are believing in him, who die believing in him, will not perish. This is what we see in perhaps one of the most well-known verses in all the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have what? They'll have eternal life. Life forever, knowing God and being known by Him, living in perfect relationship for all eternity with our Creator when we get to see Him face to face. And look at the certainty we have of this hope. Go down to verse 20 again. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, this is an amazing declaration that Christ's resurrection is a first fruits. Now, this is a strange image to us at first, but if you were with us a few months back as we were looking through our journey through the first chapter of James, in James 1.18, we saw this is a very common image to the Jewish people. The original audience would have gotten this image. Because in the Old Testament times, when the harvest came in, the people would take the first fruits, the very first of the harvest, the best of the harvest, and not keep it for themselves, but they would give it back to God as an offering to God, trusting that he would give more to come. And so the first fruits was an offering to God with the promise of more to come. And so when it says here that Christ's resurrection from the dead is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, it means his resurrection shows us that more resurrections are to come. Well, whose resurrections are they talking about? The resurrections of all those who are believing in him, who are trusting in him as their Savior and Lord. If you're in Christ, friends, this is you. This is, you're included in this. And everyone who is forgiven, who belongs to God, will one day experience a resurrection of their bodies. Yes, when we die, our souls go on to heaven. But the day is coming where we're just not souls in heaven, but we get a resurrection body like Christ got a resurrection body. Friends, the time is coming when God makes all things new, when he recreates the heavens and the earth in splendor and brilliance like they were meant to be, when there's no more sin, no more brokenness, no more coronavirus, no more trials, no more hardships, no more pain, no more suffering. And for all eternity, everything is perfectly restored to the way that God desires for it to be. And in that time, we get resurrection bodies. We have we're become whole, body, soul, and spirit. That's why Paul can say here, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Friends, the resurrection assures us, it gives us confidence that regardless of what we're facing, our faith is real and can change us. That we are forgiven and we belong to God. That our lives and even our hardships are filled with purpose of meaning in the hands of a sovereign God and that our future with God is sure. That we will forever be with him and will one day receive resurrection bodies as well and enjoy eternity with our creator in a perfect relationship with him. So friends, in light of those things, I want to ask you again today what I went back to the beginning. Friends, what are you confident in today? What are you confident in today? Friends, if you are in Christ, if you're believing in him and trusting him as your Lord and your Savior, then friends, you can have a confidence it's not dependent upon your personality. It's not dependent upon your circumstances. It's not as dependent upon your finances. It's not even dependent upon staying healthy through these trials. You can have a confidence in knowing who you are in Christ and all the things he has done for you and will continue to do for you. Because you can have a confidence not in circumstances, but a confidence in the grace of God. If you want to think about these four things we just looked at, the confidence and hope we have in the resurrection, it's all about the grace of God. There's not anything we can earn, anything we can do. It's all what God has given to us. That in his grace, he's given us a faith that is real and true. A faith that will transform us. That in his grace, he has forgiven us so that we belong to him and we can know him and relate to him as his child. Because in his grace, he's given us a life that's full of meaning and purpose of a life that was designed to glorify him and to make him known. And that even the trials and the hardships fall under that as he uses that to gain glory for himself and to give us joy in the journey. So friends, also in his grace, he's given us the assurance and the hope 
that our future with him is sure, that we will be with him forever and we will be made whole in his presence for all eternity. Friends, do you have that confidence and that hope this Easter Sunday morning? Because if you do not have that confidence and hope, what better day than to cry out to God, ask him to give it to you than this Easter Sunday morning? Friends, these things I've mentioned about being forgiven and knowing that your faith is real and knowing that your life has meaning and purpose in the hands of a sovereign God and knowing that your future with God is sure, these are anything you can do. You can't do anything to gain that from God. These are all grace that his gifts that he gives to us. All you can do is crowd up and say, Lord, I need this. Please give this to me. And what better day, friends, than Easter Sunday, if you've never experienced that, to cry out to God and ask him to give you this grace that we do not deserve. I love the promise back in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and verses 10. He simply says there, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, now friends, Lord means your master, your boss, the one you obey and follow. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that notice God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. It's like we've talked about last week and we see over and over. Friends, we can't come to Christ just wanting him to be our Savior so we don't go to hell, so we don't face judgment. That's not what it means to follow him. We have to come to him as Savior and Lord. We have to come to him seeing that he's worthy of all things. We come to him falling in love with him for who he is. We come to him wanting him to be our Lord, our master, our boss. So we surrender our lives to him and we seek to follow him. That's what he calls us to do. And friends, if you have never done that, I'd encourage you to read Romans chapter 10 here and just cry out to God and asking him to forgive you of your sins and to become your master, your boss, the Lord of your life. Now, friends, for the many of you in the Gateway family who I know well, and I see your walk with the Lord, and I see you have this confidence and hope, this confidence in a real faith, this confidence that is transforming you, this confidence in God's grace at work in your life, this confidence in all these things. When you have that confidence, I pray today in this world of uncertainty that that will be your anchor. You find your hope not in changing circumstances, but your hope in God, your hope in eternity, that God will use the reminders of the resurrection to anchor you in who you are in him because of what he's done for you and to turn your eyes off the circumstances to eternity and all that he has in store for you. And I pray in the grace of God as he turns your mind to those things and increases your confidence and your hope in what he's done for you, that it'll guard your hearts in these trying times from worry and from fear and from the pull of the world. And it'll give you a steadfastness and a hope and a confidence that can only come from him, no matter what we face. Friends, I pray this Easter Sunday morning that the resurrection of Jesus will give us a confidence and a hope that we need, not just on this Easter Sunday morning, but every single day. Would you pray with me, friends? Father, we are so thankful for your word. We are so thankful for your grace upon grace that you give to us. You look upon us, and instead of treating us like our sins deserve, you have chosen to give to us forgiveness, mercy, grace, given us a new heart, a new nature, a new identity in Christ, a hope for heaven and eternity. God, you've given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And God, for those who are watching right now who are in Christ, I pray this morning that you have filled their hearts with a sense of thankfulness and wonder and awe that they are recipients of your grace. And God, that they would just throughout this day and throughout this week just find themselves praising you and thanking you for all the ways you've shown kindness to them, just like you've shown kindness to me that we are so undeserving of. Now, Lord, I pray if there's any who are watching who've never trusted you, perhaps they're trusting in things they did, praying a prayer, walking an aisle in a service, doing something the preacher asked them to do, but they've never really trusted you as their Lord. I pray today, oh, Holy Spirit, you would come convict their hearts and let them see they're standing before you and you would turn their hearts to you to cry out for your mercy and grace and they would see what it means to have a relationship with their creator. Lord, I pray as you move in our lives and increase our awe and wonder at the resurrection and our awe and wonder at all the mercy and grace we have. God, as you do these things, I pray you would fill us with great joy and that you'd receive all the glory. And Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to ask you to sing along with us our closing song for this morning. Break the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven. 
Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my soul and bear my shame. The cross has We are so thankful that we get to praise this morning 
the one who set us free. Hallelujah. It seems so inadequate in our words just to say thank you and to praise you that you have chosen to rescue us and save us from our sins. And I pray as we reflected on the sacrifice Christ made on Good Friday, as we celebrate this morning his resurrection from the dead, God, I pray that you would just give us a greater sense of awe that we are recipients of grace, that you have set us free from the penalty of sin and you set us free and are setting us free from the power of sin. I pray this week, Lord, that you would turn our minds to these things and we give you great praise and great honor and great glory and that we would find great joy walking with you, knowing that Christ is risen from the dead. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Have a great Easter Sunday.